On today's show, first of a two-parter looking at odds for the Cavs upcoming next season, what they tell us about this team and the players on it. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Save more than $360 and get some amazing life-saving medications to ship right to your door. Empower yourself with the purchase of the Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treats 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's jsemedical.com. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. All right, segment one today, we're going to look at Defensive Player of the Year. Evan Mobley is the second to the top in the odds there. Segment two, we are going to look at why Mobley is not really, at least by odds, looked at as a most improved player candidate. I think there are some reasons we can explore there. And then segment three, MVP and sixth man of the year. Let's start with most uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Here are the odds, courtesy of our friends at FanDuel. Jared Jackson Jr., last year's winner, is at plus 500. Evan Mobley is at plus 700. Giannis, plus 850. Anthony Davis, plus 900. Bam, plus 900. Rudy Gobert, plus 1400. Further down the list, you have a bunch of other names. Jared Allen is on there at plus 4,500. Very, very long odds for Jared. Evan, here's what I'll say to start. Um, Mobley being second makes sense. It would not surprise me. If he wins it this year, just because I think he is that good and I think he's only going to keep getting better, I also wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the year. But I, I, I understand why he's second, and I think he should be on that, that preseason shortlist as we get started here. So I'm a little surprised, first and foremost, that Brooke Lopez isn't higher on this list because he was in that final three spot with Mobley and Triple J. Um, but I do agree with you that there is a very good chance with Evan Mobley taking that quote unquote proverbial year three leap that he does finish as the guy who takes home defensive player of the year honors. Maybe he goes into first team all defensive honors as well. But if you look at the list in the field, at least, I mean, you have Jaron Jackson Jr., you have Evan Mobley, you have Giannis, you have Anthony Davis, and you have Bam Adebayo to wrap around the top five. Like, those are all really good players. Those are all really good dudes. Um, and it's hard to quantify how defensive player of the year voting works. Like some may know this. I know Chris does at least like Andre Drummond got a vote every year from a media member because he led the league in defensive rebounding. And that was his reasoning behind it more or less. So like, it, it depends on how the voters feel, but at least just looking into what the season can be for the Cavs, um, with the Cavs certainly prioritizing offense over defense this offseason. And maybe because of those moves, they expect Evan Mobley to take that year three leap on the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of crazy to fathom because he's so good defensively to begin with. But yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised about it. But I think second favorite or second best odds makes sense just because heading into the season, you have to respect the guy who won it last year and also is, by all accounts, a very, very good, I'd say excellent defensive player in Jaron Jackson Jr. And it could be a bit of like a neck and neck race between those two when it comes to like keeping an eye on the lines or just maybe keeping an eye on just like what ladders are saying for uh, 
defensive, the defensive player of the year race or just kind of like what the old eye test is telling you? I think for one, you know, Brooke is a year older. I think that always can have an impact on this. I think he's he's at that point where, like, does he take a step back in some way? I don't think that's impossible. I think with Jaron, like, this is someone that is, is further along than Mobley. I think, like, minute for minute last year, I think a really good case. I think he was better than Mobley last year. But he's also, he's 24. He's a little bit older. He's a little more seasoned at this point. Mobley still has room to grow in terms of playing center and and doing some of the things that I think enabled Jaron to get into that race last year and and be really vital to that race last year. Um, I think I think with Mobley, if the, if we if there's a point where like you maybe the zone comes back and he dominates that way, or he just he takes him up in terms of blocking shots or getting seals, or there's some part of his game that really pops. That's going to be a part of the story for him. I think you get with these awards, you have to remember that this it, there it, you are telling stories about like what these guys are doing to some degree. You can back it up with numbers, back it up with film. For Mobley, I think it's Cavs are another great defense. He maybe is more effective as a def- the, the the lineups with him at the five are better defensively than they were last year, and maybe he picks some more steals. A couple of those things happen, and he just looks like a, a leveled up defensive monster. That's how he. I think gets to a position where he can absolutely win this award this year. Are you surprised Jared Allen is somewhat, I mean, no. at least compared no. to the top no. five so far down the list? No, no. I think coming off the playoffs and I think just what Jared is, Jared is a competent rim protecting big who doesn't follow a lot. He doesn't, he's okay at switching, but this isn't like a guy that, that he is not the reason that Cleveland, I, he's part of the reason, but it's not like he is the apex reason of like why this defense spearheads. And he's not, I think, overwhelmingly lead at one thing. I mean, he's you know top thirty percent of blocks. That's not outrageous for a center. He doesn't generate a lot of steals. He's really good at contesting shots without fouling, and he's mm-hmm. aside from the playoffs a pretty solid rebounder. And he gives you a pretty stable back end presence. But he's not like an overwhelmingly dominant defender in the way Mobley has been at times, and absolutely, I think will be going forward. I, you and I are in agreement on that. Like he has does have that underrated skill that um, he's able to defend the rim so well without fouling. But maybe not. Maybe but there is a bit of that stink associated with him heading off of what happened in the postseason, and now it's just what more can you do? Like we did get some questions for Friday or Saturday, depending on when it posts mailbag of. What Jared Allen can be as a player on offense, I, I'm curious to see what else he can do on defense because he is somewhat at his limit in terms of just what he can be. Like he does showing willingness to defend on the perimeter, but he's nowhere near as good at it as um as his uh, comrade at the four is in Evan Mobley. He he's just like competent and fine, but that doesn't keep you. That doesn't get you in the conversation to like win defensive player of the year, to be defensive player of the year, to be to do what Gobert did and be when Brooke was in the race, when Draymond has won it, when Jared won it last year, it's like you were an overwhelmingly dominant singular force. When Marcus Smart won it, it was because there was this year where it just felt like he was the most insane, pesky perimeter defender you we had in the league. And, you know, that was one year, but it's it's that kind of thing. I think if I were looking at this year for the competition, it's Jaron, it's Giannis. If AD is healthy, absolutely in there as well. We've seen what he can do. And then I think Bam Adebayo to me is... Like if I were gonna like throw money on this and like not gambling advice, but if I were just gonna throw like my uh, my lot in on someone for this year, I think I would do it for Bam. I think Bam is 
that good and hasn't won one. And it's like he's one of those guys that I think is going to win one at some point. So like it wouldn't shock me if it's this year. Like it's going to be really competitive, and it wouldn't shock me if the final three is like Triple J, Mobley, and Bam or something like that. I think that it's going to be that kind of race, and it's probably going to be really close. But maybe, maybe it's like still like a year too early before Mobley ascends. But maybe this is the year that like the full defensive monster potential is unlocked. I mean, it's going to happen at some point. But it, the question is: it is it year three? Is it year four? When is it? No, that's that's a valid way to look at it. Like, is it now or is it going to be down the line? Um, to your point about Bam, maybe things or the trajectory alters when um, the hypothetical dream scenario of the Heat landing Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid right before training camp happens and Bam just does otherworldly things with the Sixers. But Bam's an interesting one for me. If you gave me an answer at the top five, I think Anthony Davis could be a sneaky good option if he's just healthy. And that's a big if just because he's really, really good under Darvin Ham, and I think he has just, he does a lot of things for the Lakers that are underappreciated. Yeah. And him and, him and Bam are, I mean, sneaky is maybe bold because him and, him and Bam are tied for fourth at plus 100. Like he's in, like he's in the top five as far as betting odds go. And I think I know, the reputation's I, there too. Yeah. The reputation is certainly there, but like Giannis, that makes a lot of sense just because Milwaukee's such a good defensive team. They do have some questions on their coaching situation and just a new head coach, but Giannis is like the fulcrum of that defensive approach Milwaukee has with Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez like accentuating them so well and Chris Middleton being a good positional defender and I know we had to take a quick break for ads but you mentioned Marcus Smart a while back um, and how he wanted do you think he could be like a complimentary piece to Triple J like who knows uh, maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. plays off of Marcus Smart that dog on the perimeter to uh, just do more other just crazy things because Jaron Jackson Jr. is phenomenal on defense and I agree with you he should have won it last year uh, Reddit conspiracies or not but um, yeah I think it's just it puts into perspective how good the defensive field is especially when you can make a pretty valid case for all five guys in the top five and this will switch like this will evolve it'll this will change sure. yeah as we go I mean someone's going to pop in like there will be like a should Drew Holiday get recognition? And like, there will be like valid reasons. Fed are coming up next. We're going to talk about the the award race. Mobley is not really a factor in it if you look at the betting odds as of right now. And I think we're going to explore why maybe he is or maybe should be in that conversation. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life saving antibiotics for burn to use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related question. Doctor-created, doctor-recommended. You don't want to get caught unprepared. You should be empowered to take care of yourselves and your loved ones during the unexpected times. You have people that have done a really, really help themselves in this case. For instance, uh, they had a customer named Frank who wrote, quote, easy is one, two, three, and just in time. He received his package the same day he got a sinus infection and his doctor was out of town. No appointment for days. Thank goodness it arrived. Storms, shortages, pandemics, supply chain issues. You want to be prepared and the Jace case can help get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using our code LOCKDOWN to check out at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com and use our code LOCKEDON. All right, we're back. Most improved player odds. Uh, this is, again, as we said before, is not an award where Mobley, preseason-wise, is 
really a strong betting candidate here. He's at plus 2,500. That puts him at the same level as a bunch of guys, including but not limited to OB Toppin, Anthony Simons, wing Jalen Williams for the Thunder, and Shaden Sharp. Here are the top five, and I'll give you their odds. It's all courtesy of our friends at FanDuel. Courtesy of our friends at FanDuel. Mikhail Bridges, plus 750. Kate Cunningham, plus 1,300. Austin Reeves, plus 1,400. Tyrese Maxey, plus 1,500. And Scotty Barnes, plus 1,700. Alperin good. another member of the uh, Mobley, that draft class, is at plus 1,806. Evan, here's my theory as to why Mobley is not in this. I kind of just think maybe people have already decided that he's already really good, and thus he's not a level-up candidate. And I also think it's because he's not going to maybe level up on offense. And I think a lot of the times when we get this award, it is who took a really big step forward as like a primary scorer. And the path for Mobley to do that is not as clear as it might be for some of these other guys. Yeah. um, I I think the thought process of Mobley already being so good, and sure, that's a great compliment to him as a player. But like we look at the field of most improved player, um, Laurie Marketing was it last year and you saw him have like that palate cleansing season with the Cavs, and then he gets the benefit of being a number one option on the Jazz team that started out hot, but ended up not being great at the end of the year, and um, is clearly in the midst of a rebuild post Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then you mentioned some of those guys at the top, like Kate Cunningham, that's a guard who's going to be arguably the number one scoring option, a dude who's entering his third year, like Evan Mobley, um, on a bad but hopefully more pesky hopefully for their sake Pistons team and like that gives him the benefit of just having those counting stats behind him win or loss uh, be damned Mikhail Bridges I think makes a lot of sense it's just like the number one option because the Nets do have maybe a chance of breaking into the postseason whether that's through the playing tournament or maybe being like a lower seed in the Eastern Conference and if Bridges is the number one option and he already has that two-way potential as a player and prospect like yeah it makes sense for the path for him um but like when looking through the lens of Mobley, to your point, like this Cavs team is already really, really good. And I think the only way he can make like a legitimate uh, screaming down the, 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 the path towards this award case is if he just comes out and is like balls to the wall insane offensively, like has an improved jump shot, is able to hit like a mid-range shot. He's able to hit a three-point shot as well. Like he just able is able to be a shooting threat and unlock the Cavs in certain ways offensively. He's much more of a passer like. It's not the defense that just keeps improving, improving. Like that's where the defensive player of the year argument's a little bit easier. But like the offense reaches the defense and maybe even supersedes it a little bit because that year three leap is just so dramatic. But just based on how the Cavs are constructed and maybe from what they need from Mobley is more on defense versus offense at times. I don't see a more clean path to him winning the award. Um, and a lot of the dudes you mentioned are. Either the number one options. Um, there's a guy I kind of have circled with a pencil that could be somewhat interesting if you lock those odds in now, depending on how the future shakes up. But uh, Mobley, to me, just kind of being in the back of the pack doesn't really surprise me. Unless, like, again, and this is preseason, so we don't know what will happen. This will fluctuate, of course. But unless he has like just like a super dramatic turnaround offensively where he's just like the dude who's better on offense than he is on defense, and he's already phenomenal on defense. Who's the name? Uh, Tyrese Maxey. Um, if the Sixers end up trading Harden, and let's just say they don't get Dame Lillard, that's like been floated around in the last few days. Um, the expectation, at least, would be for Maxey to be the lead guard in Philly's offense. Obviously, Joel Embiid is the number one option in the end. I'll be all on any possession for Philly, but Maxey is an interesting case study. Is he a guy that benefited as like the third option alongside 
Harden and Embiid, or maybe even the fourth option, depending on the night um, Tobias Harris was having too. But like Maxi could be the dude who levels up and really has more opportunities to get more possessions and just really put up some more flashier accounting stats. And also Philly's going to be really freaking good because of Joel Embiid. Like that kind of crystallizes Maxi's case a little bit more. Like Austin, I don't know, I mean, Austin Reeves, you can make a case for too. Like he makes the leap everyone thinks he. Yeah, I, I think the guys were. I think the way this award kind of works is you get kind of validated for already having improved. It's kind of the yeah. thing like Ja won in 2022. Ja was already who he was in 2022. Julius Randle already who he was in 2021. B.I. Brandon Ingram was that in 2020. You go back through the list, it's not always guys that are ascending. So, like, Mikhail Bridges makes sense. I also think if Mobley was on a team, it was just him and Garland, and there was one Donovan Mitchell, and he had a clear path to like mm. twenty points a game on really good efficiency. Yeah. There's your case. There's your case for Evan Mobley. That's the way he wins this. If that happens just out of nowhere, I wouldn't even be totally surprised if his efficiency just goes up and up and up. And there's just something there that you see is improved. He's that good and that talented. Where like that's not out of the question. Is it kind of a long shot because of the structure of the team? Yes, but it's not the craziest thing to me to consider that like maybe that breaks a certain way, but it would take um, very specific circumstance. All right, we're going to go into our last break here. Come back. We're going to talk about MVP where Donovan Mitchell has a very long odds and six minute of the year where Karis Levert also has long odds. That's coming up next. All right. NBA MVP. Here is here are the odds for most valuable player in the NBA, according to FanDuel. Jokic plus 430, Giannis plus 500, Luka plus 650, Tatum plus 800, Joel Embiid last year's MVP at plus 850. And then you get into Shea and Curry and KD and Booker and Dame is on there, AD, LeBron's a little further down. You go keep scrolling on FanDuel or like any sports book. Uh, you get down to Donovan Mitchell who comes in at plus 3,100. That puts him a little behind AD, ahead of Ant, ahead of De'Aaron Fox, ahead of Zion, ahead of LeBron, ahead of Jalen Brunson and Trey Young and Jimmy Butler. So he is in this list, outside the top 10, very long odds. And that, to me, feels right. I think Mitchell could have another All-NBA season. I think Mitchell could have like a top 10 MVP kind of season, but I think him actually the path to him actually winning the award feels pretty unlikely. If like it would be very hard to see a world to me, Evan, where Donovan Mitchell does actually win the MVP. I mean, especially now with the new NBA rules in place about like load management and monitoring how many games players or at least star players under the category of the NBA put or at least the like not category, um requirements, prerequisites the NBA put in place to uh establish who is impacted by this rule but like yeah i think donovan mitchell very well is going to be cleveland's mvp at least on offense this year i think if evan mobley takes the leap a lot of people are hoping he does he could supersede mitchell a little bit on just the mvp race or maybe just on both ends of the court as well depending on how impactful he is but the guys you listed like i was like making like moving my head in like a clock i'm like yeah you can make an argument for a lot of those guys in the top five i think you can make an argument for a lot of the dudes in the top 10 too. And like Mitchell, I think is just a casualty of the fact that the NBA is just really freaking talented. Like there's a lot of dudes that are very good at the top that are also clear bona fide number one options for their team. Like 
I am a little surprised Joel Embiid's like fifth on this list just because of how good he was for the Sixers last year. And maybe it's fair to question, can he do it again this year? Especially when like longevity or just like health is always a concern when it comes to Embiid's impact on the floor. But like Jokic is the best player in basketball right now. And you have to tip your cap to him and say like, yeah, that should be the MVP favorite heading into the season. But like a guy like Luca, that's some money I may throw at if I was a betting man, just because the Mavericks are such an interesting team, but like Luca's going to have the counting stats and probably have some games that are just like absolutely insane. And so will Donovan Mitchell, but I don't know. It's just, it's a weird situation because like Mitchell could not be the number one option for the Cavs. He could not be the number, the top, he could be the top scorer, but like he might be the most impactful player, if that makes sense in terms of winning. And there could be other guys that are just ahead of him. But like I said, I think he's just also just like a casualty of the fact that the NBA is just really talented and that's just, it is what it is at the end of the day. Well, I, I think there's two things. Number one, I think he's not like, he's just not at the level of the, the, the top three, four, five players in the league of the world. He's not at Luca's level. He's not at Jokic's level. He's not at Embiid's level. That's okay. He's amazing. He had, he was all NBA last year, but is he at the very tippy top of that? Like with Giannis and all those guys? No, I don't, I don't think anyone would argue that. I think if you, in, Last year was the best year of his career. I think the other part of this is, could he elevate himself beyond last year? I think that's if that's like his high point, could, is there another level to go up? Because if you look at last year, estimated wins, dunks, and threes has the stat that gives you an estimate of how many wins someone has worked to their team. Analytics on everything, but just for the sake of contextualizing this efficiently, going to use them. Jokic was first, plus 17, added 17 wins. Embiid was 15.8. Tatum, 15.8. Luka, 15.1. Shea, 14.4. Dame, 14.3. Jimmy Butler, 14.3. And then Donovan Mitchell at 13. Giannis at 12.8. Kyrie at 12.5, which is very funny because that doesn't factor in other Kyrie things. And then Darius Garland is there as well, 12.2. So is Steph Curry. He had this unbelievable year last year. Got some votes. But I think that's probably... That, that, to me, is, is something resembling you're the best Donovan Mitchell season you're possibly going to get. And I think for him to win MVP, it would have to be a level from him we haven't seen. Maybe that happens, but that feels somewhat unlikely to me. Um, last six well, men of the year. Quick thing for me. Yeah. Do you think Mitchell has the capability or the capacity to match what last season was? I mean, yes, he was so, I so do. good. And this is, yeah, I do. You think it's maybe like a bit of fatigue or something? I don't know. It's just an interesting thought exercise, like, because that's where the Embiid things comes in. Like, both players were so incredible last year. Like, do they have enough gas in the tank to do that for probably a much more demanding and more rigorous stretch because of the rules put in front of them? I mean, I think Mitchell played like about a reasonable number of games last year. And I think for him, last year, for it felt like a year where it's like new environment. I got embarrassed in playoffs. Let's prove myself. Uh, let they got embarrassed in the playoffs again by the same guard. I kind of feel like he's going to come Ellen. in chip on his shoulder once again. I I would not if this is a little bit of a Donovan Mitchell like vengeance regular season, and we'll see where that gets them. Would not be surprised if he's just having monster games again. Look, that guy's gas tank. I mean, we saw it in the seventy-one point game. He got seventy-one in part because he just kept going and going and going. I don't ever doubt that that guy has that in him. It's it's one of his absolute best attributes. All right, six minute of the year. Karis LeVert is at plus 2,300. He is the most likely, most in the odds as far as a Cav being in that race. Brogdon plus 800. Powell from the Clippers plus 850. Quickly plus 850. Won it last year. Uh, Buddy Heald plus 1,000. Malik Monk plus 1,000. Caleb Martin plus 2,000. 
Uh, then you get some other guys, and then at plus 2,300 is Levert, Christian Wood, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Josh Hart, Kelly, and Josh Hart's plus 3,000. So there's a couple of guys at plus 2,300. Evan, I would be a little surprised if Karis Levert um, actually ended up in this. Yeah, I, I would be too. Um, six Man of the Year is such a volatile like award race to begin with because a lot of it is who is the best scorer off the bench for an NBA team. But like Levert is like so mercurial as a player, um, just in terms of his impact, like he does give you that defensive upside, some scoring shots too. But like, is he able to do that on a night to night basis? Is he able to be the player he was for the second half of last season? I don't know. And a lot of the dudes you mentioned have pretty clear and defined roles on what, NBA teams kind of need from their players like Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, that's an interesting situation because there's just the health concerns that have been reported, but also like maybe he's in a different situation mm-hmm. from Boston this year. Uh, Norm <laughs> just Powell. a little pissed off about maybe being in trades. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> maybe like us. he uses that anger. Yeah. Who among us? Maybe he uses that anger to kind of motivate him. Maybe Buddy Heel can end up in a different situation that isn't the Pacers since it's reported he's been asked or according to Shams because of. Uh, impasse and extension talks to the Pacers, like he can end up in a different situation. Like if he ends up in a situation where he has a clear bona fide role as like the leading scoring three point shooting guard off the bench that closes games, um, would not be surprised if he's flirting with it too. And then like there's other names in the field too, like quit IQ makes sense uh, just because the Knicks uh, get a lot of great guard play from their team and quickly as a dude who was cold in the playoffs but pretty hot for the Knicks all of last season and then. I mean, I don't know. I'm like looking at the top five like in front of me right now. Like Norm Powell could be interesting, especially if like Kawhi or PG miss time due to injury or something like that. Like he's a dude that can like be plug and play for the Clippers. So he, they're all fun dudes. But like I said, it's such a volatile award race. Like it's not really going to be ironed out until, or maybe we're not going to have like a better idea of like who is or isn't in the hunt until maybe like 30, 40 games into the season when it's like, okay, yeah. There are some clearly some dudes who have just found a groove and then are running with it from the beginning of the year or have been running with it for long enough that they are the best bench player in the league. Here's Let's lay out the case uh, for how this could happen. If, if Levert averages really good, has really good, he's just super efficient coming off the bench. He averaged, let's see how many points he averaged last year. I could not have stopped my head. He averaged 12.1 last year, so not a lot. If he's, and I don't think this is the case because they added Struce, they added Yang. If he averages like 16, 17 a game, is really efficient, hits his threes again, and maybe has a couple games like he had last year where he just like drops 40 out of nowhere and carries them to wins in big moments, that's how you like get him in the running, I think. And I think we would, mm-hmm. I think we would really expect him. To I think just all we should also just assume he's coming off the bench. Like that's the path. It's, does he come in in his twenty twenty five minutes a night, thirty minutes a night, whatever it is, score a bunch, be really efficient, and has a couple big moments. That's that's probably the path. I mean, more often than not, he's going to be coming off the bench unless there's like an injury or a line a dramatic lineup change for some reason. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's closing games more often than not because he's someone JB Bickerstaff's comfortable with, and I think is really important to what the Cavs can do offensively as like that fourth or third or fourth safety valve on offense when he especially when he's clicking but to your point like does he come in more and more efficient especially compared to last year does he have the defensive upside is he able to make an impact in those limited minutes and 
you kind of noted this, like the Cavs did add Max Struess, they added George Niang, like Ty Jerome could be in the bench mix as well. Like these are guys that are going to take more shot opportunities from Levert. And more than that, um, do we get the same player as Karis Levert from the second half last season? Do we get a dude who is, or just last season in general, was taking way more three-pointers than he was mid-range shots? And uh, do, we don't see Karis Levert maybe regress back to the mean a little bit in terms of just what he is uh, career-wise as a player too, like, which isn't a bad thing as just like a scoring mm-hmm. dynamo for you off the bench, but he is more tailor-fit to what the Cavs kind of needed at times on offense last year. Like, Are you still going to get that, or do these other offensive options allow Karis Levert to become more comfortable as a creature of habit versus a creature of necessity? Distribution wise, do you think there's a path for like he gets like six assists or something? Like just like he's on his career high in assists per game. I'm looking well, this up as we're on this because it's like because it, does he just like spray to shooters and like just racks up could, a ton of assists as like a, a lot of that. point guard? Yeah. He's an effective pick and roll ball handler. Uh, yeah. The question like we'll have a clearer answer come media day next Monday. Like if Ricky Rubio's there and in person, like participating in camp, or is he still away from basketball? Like is if uh-huh. Rubio's away. Hey, congrats, Karis LeVert. You're likely like the backup or the lead point guard guard off the bench for this team at times. Like, yeah, you were a one, two, three player on the floor. And maybe that was already the vision and path just even with or without Rubio. But in terms of just like looking at like a depth chart, like LeVert is a fascinating guy that could be plugged and played elsewhere. I don't know if six assists is attainable. I shook my head no. Then he said spraying to shooters. And I'm like, then I thought of the Rubio thing, but... That's his career high for context. Oh. Like he averaged six in his twelve games over a twelve game sample, so not like a real sample in twenty twenty one with Brooklyn. And then for his for his career, he's averaged three point nine a game. So like getting up to six feels like a jump. But could he get to like four and a half, which would be his highest? Like over like aside from the kind of inflated numbers of that little Brooklyn's uh, little twelve game Brooklyn sample size, could he get to mm-hmm. like five and have good efficiency? And like that's the path I. I don't know. Um, I'm actually. I, I might have to like write about this, or we should talk about this again when we do season preview. I'm going to compare like Jordan Clarkson's six man of the year season versus like Levert's numbers one. and see if there's see if there's any comps. Or Jordan definitely thinks scored more is part of it, but um, yeah, it was only averaging like two and a half assists at that point. So can, maybe can I throw a name Levert's out season. though? Yeah, hit me as like my sneaky, interesting voting favorite. I know Mark Spears said he could end up starting for Golden State, but I think Chris Paul's best is like the bench guard for the Warriors. Yeah. And that could be a dude who like doesn't have to be asked to do a lot, but like he is the point god and he's with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and a bevy of shooters and also a team that is going to be gunning for the championship. Like mm-hmm. Chris Paul would be a guy maybe you throw a couple bucks at if you want to like make an early season bet because like that makes sense to me as like a six man option. Yeah, I I touching those is it's like such a funny thing because it's like the odds are so long where it's like I could bet a dollar on this and like win eight dollars or whatever it is, but it's like your your odds of cashing your odds like so much of this is going to change and like oh month. yeah it's it's the most like I said I've said it like a million times now it's the most volatile award race just because there's so much uncertainty on who the best bench the best bench player that's what it is and a lot of it's scoring but i i just cannot tell you with a straight face like oh yeah like it's not like lou williams is coming out of left field and just like he's your presumptive number one for the fifth year in a row like it's not that clear yeah uh there's like some names you got on the list it's like larry nance jr is 30 plus 3500 um 
You could just like waste some money on some of these names yeah. on the list. Larry Nance Jr. is a guy I think of him like if the Cavs could finesse a way to get him back in Cleveland, that'd be kind of good as a backup to Evan Mobley. He would fit really well. Um, he would f- be a useful piece to them. Him or Markkanen, I think, would having one of them a still dude, would a dude would, who could play three, four, useful. and five. Well, at least just like play, like gives you a, like they just are missing like a little bit of size. But that's that's maybe a question we should do an episode that's like what are the Cavs' weaknesses? And I think like lack of size at certain spots is part of it. So I think we'll talk about that more. Once we do that as a season preview, but that's going to be it for the for this episode of Lockdown Cavs. Back at you tomorrow with more betting odds, getting into win totals, title futures, all of that fun stuff. Talk to y'all then. Jake, I hope you leave that like gag in. <laughs> <laughs>